InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. Some say that officials should restructure the way they conduct our country's elections. InfoTrack's Roy Mackey has the surprising findings of a recent study, including ways to make our elections more voter-friendly. Roy? Thanks, Chris. It seems we hear of problems at polling places after just about every election these days. The fact is we're using a voting system designed before the advent of cars, electricity, and indoor plumbing. So does the system need to be changed, or does it work as well as anything else that we may try to devise? Well, we're joined by Doug Lewis, Executive Director of the Election Center, which is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization that trains election officials, and his organization organized a task force that analyzed our nation's election system. Voting machines have gotten a lot of media attention, but your task force zeroed in on some uh, voter and poll worker issues and how American lifestyles have changed. Well, there are several things. I mean, obviously, what's gained more of the media attention is our future thing stuff, but there certainly are some routine things that need to be fixed now by state legislatures, and they can probably go to work on those. What's gained more attention, I think, is that where we've talked about that it may be time to start looking at changing how we organize this and run this so that it works better for everyone, both for administrators and for voters and for political parties and right on down the line. One of the suggestions in your report is scrapping neighborhood precincts and then having people vote at large vote centers. Tell us about that. We need to look at how we've organized elections in the past and what we need to do for this society as opposed to the past one. And it's not one of those where we say immediately that we've got to scrap the precinct polling place because for a good many parts of America that will continue to work very well. Our urban areas have traditionally had significant problems in getting, A, enough poll workers to be able to really do this job and do this job well. B, when we looked at the national My Vote One issue, which was run by a nonprofit and then joined in by uh, NBC News, we found that out of 400,000 phone calls to them, more than 200 and some odd thousand phone calls were people didn't know where their polling place was. And then you add number three, that we're beginning to have difficulties in finding polling places that are accessible to people with disabilities. And certainly as an aging nation, that's one of those things that we've got to really be concerned about in addition to those who are permanently disabled before age. And so when you start adding all of those things up, it may be time to start looking at how do we change this to better serve voters and the process itself. How would a customer-oriented vote center work? Well, what you would do is instead of finding out-of-the-way places where you end up having to, in many instances, find an accessible building and we're beginning to have more difficulty even getting school sites, you now start to pick large, well-known locations that have enormous parking that are on public transportation routes as well as automotive routes so that people can find them easily. And you don't just do one center, you would do multiple centers so that you don't dis enfranchise any voting group and you still make it far more accessible to them and so that they can vote anywhere within a county instead of having to vote in their neighborhood precinct. Now this has been tried in Colorado, is that correct? Well, it's actually been an evolutionary step. When you look at when Texas first started that early voting back in the late 80s, 
you ended up starting to show that you could do multiple locations for voting and that people would tend to flock to those. And certainly our history has been that the voters love this kind of concept. So now you've got 35 states that do some form of early voting, and you're beginning to see that begin to settle in. Then what Larimer County, Colorado did is they carried it one step further. They said, well, if we can do it for early voting, why can't we do it on election day? And as a result, it worked exceedingly well in the test done there. And so what we're looking at is a way to maybe make this better for the voters overall in terms of giving them options of where to go on election day, which could then evolve into that next segue of where we honestly believe that once we get that pretty well going and understand that fairly well, then that next segue may be very much to say, well, let's have what is known as an election season. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that. Rather than a single election day, it would be people voting over, what, a period of weeks? Well, you wouldn't necessarily have to do weeks. And this is obviously going to be something that the policymakers, that is the state legislators and or the Congress would want to look at. But when you're looking at it, we could certainly do three days, four days, five days, even a week if folks wanted to. And then you're not as inclined to be disenfranchised if you can't get there during the time that the poll is open on one given day. So this would differ from absentee voting then? Yes. You're still going to have some forms of absentee voting, although if you went to an election season, you might not have to do that anymore. Our guess is is that if we evolve this into the kinds of things that we're looking at, you can probably then eliminate some aspects that you've been doing. You could probably eliminate all but true absentee voting, and you could probably eliminate early voting, because now you're going to have basically four, five, six, seven days worth of voting. We're talking with Doug Lewis. He's the executive director of the Houston-based Election Center, which is a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization that trains election officials. Now, these two suggestions, the universal vote centers and expanding when people can vote, what does that do to the likelihood of voter fraud? Because I, I think that's probably where a lot of the resistance to any of these ideas is going to come from, is that concern. Oh, of course. And those are of concern always to elections officials, too. You want to make sure that any of the things that you do maintains the integrity of the election so that everybody is certain that at least their vote didn't get canceled or thrown out because it was offset by somebody who shouldn't have been voting. So we always worry about those ourselves. But in this particular instance where we are able, and we've already been able to demonstrate both through early voting and through vote centers, we've been able to demonstrate that we can indeed check instantly to make sure that no person has voted in one of the other centers because we're able to tie into the computer system and know if a voter showed up at any one of the other centers and be able to maintain that. And so that kind of thing we've already got a pretty good handle on. Another thing your report touched on was sharing voter registration information between states because this is certainly a problem. People who move from one state to another are probably aware of this, that in a lot of cases they're registered in two states to vote. Yes, and we're beginning to see some evidence that maybe folks avail themselves of the opportunity thinking they're not going to get caught voting in more than one state because they live close to a state line or another county's line in another state. Well, if states don't share information, they probably wouldn't get caught, right? Well, that's probably right. What has happened under the Help America Vote Act, where now states are required to build and maintain statewide voter databases, we think the next logical extension of that 
is is that they do data interchange between states so that we can indeed begin to find out if there are duplicates and to be able to make sure that that doesn't happen. One of the other things that your report took a look at was how to verify with these touchscreen voting machines, how to verify votes, keep a paper trail or that sort of thing. Let's talk about that a little bit. Well, when you're looking at it, if you look at what the security issues are, I think everyone has been glad that we've had a discussion on security of voting systems. The question is, is are you required to do that with paper or can you do that electronically? And are there methodologies in which you can assure all but the most unreasonable that you can lock this down to where nobody can manipulate it, nobody can do so without getting caught at it. And there appears to be, at least now, from the look of the experts that are going through it, that we can indeed do this in some cases with paper, in some cases without paper, and leave that as an option then for states to decide which direction they want to go. Doug, a lot of these changes that we're talking about cannot be mandated on a federal level because elections, of course, are run by the states. But what happens if some states adopt these changes and some states don't? It certainly sounds like it could be a confusing patchwork around the country. Well, the truth of the matter is is that patchwork in America was really created by design because our founders had such a huge distrust of centralized authority. They'd had a real problem of trying to get away from where one government or one official could actually control the outcome of the process. And so as a result in America, we built a process that is a patchwork and that is inefficient. And as a result, it is very difficult to manipulate a national election in America. Clearly, the lessons that we've learned over the years is that one size does not fit all. And the recommendations that we're making, they won't fit everyone. They won't fit every condition and every situation. And certainly we've got to allow the states the latitude to pick and choose those things that they think will work best in their state. Doug, is there some place where folks can find out more about the Election Center? Well, you can certainly do that if you go to the website of www.electioncenter.org and look at the task force report. Doug Lewis, the Executive Director of the Election Center, thank you very much for joining us on InfoTrack. You bet. Thank you. For InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know.